Wonderful to see all of you here, and I hope to see you back this evening. We have our second Sunday singing night. It's always a great time to get together and to, to focus on our singing, lifting up praises to God in that manner. It's a good experience for our young men who need to be developing that skill, and I hope that you'll all come back tonight, and uh, let's have uh, some time in singing as we worship our God. I'm glad you're here this morning. Which button do I push? I forgot. Oh, here we are. You waited on me, didn't you? Well, we wait all the time. We wait all the time. A quick Google search will show you exactly how much we do wait. We spend approximately six months of our lives waiting in line for things. About three days a year. That's why I'm either in the fellowship meals at Chat and Chew, I'm either in front of the line or I'm in back of the line, because I don't like waiting. So, that's a long time, six months out of the year. The average person spends about 43 days on hold with automated customer service in their lifetime. So next time you have to call your cable or internet company, remember that, adding up to 43 days in your lifetime. I had friends growing up, we don't do this now these days with the internet, but I had friends who would camp out waiting in line to get concert tickets because they wanted to see that particular band. We wait to fall asleep. We wait on text messages. We wait on emails. We wait on our Amazon deliveries. Now, I really appreciate it when they tell me my laundry detergent is nine stops away. But I, I don't mind waiting. I don't care that it's on Lee Road. I can wait for it. We wait for all sorts of things, but how good are we at waiting on the Lord? Let's turn, please, to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, of course, is where the song that we just sang before I came up comes from, Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 27, a beautiful passage on waiting on the Lord. As I was thinking about this lesson, doing some research, I thought, you know what? That's something I've never preached on, waiting on the Lord. It might not be anything that you've ever thought about. But I hope after today's lesson, you'll see how vital, how important it is to your spiritual life to be able to wait on the Lord. And I hope you learn exactly what that means and how you can do it better, because it is something that we should do. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Israel had become impatient with God, as they often are. We become impatient with God quite often. And Isaiah here asks, why are you saying God doesn't care about me? Why are you saying that? Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk 
and not become weary. We are an impatient people, aren't we? We wait on God sometimes and we think, I've had enough. And we move on and try to do it ourselves. We wait on God and we think, I can't pray about it anymore. We wait on God and I'm not going to attend worship anymore. We wait on God and we become impatient. We wonder where He is and Isaiah here tries to illustrate what will happen whenever you do wait. You'll gain new strength. Gatorade's one of my favorite drinks. Keep it well stocked in my refrigerator. I drink that and it just replenishes me. They do great marketing. It's sold on me. It replenishes you after you've had a long, hard day out in the sun or something like that. Well, here Isaiah is trying to tell the Israelites, trying to tell us, don't be weary. Wait on the Lord and you will gain new strength. We should wait on the Lord to act, to deliver, to save, to avenge, to answer our prayers to provide for our needs, to renew our strength, as it says here, to reveal His glory, and to do only what God can do. That's what he was trying to remind the Israelites. You've got to wait on Him, because there are things that only He can do. The God that we wait on measures all the waters of earth in the palm of His hand. The God that we wait on knows the exact weight of all the mountains, islands, and hills. The God that we wait on sits on a throne above planet earth watching us and dwells in a tent made from the canopy of the heavens. The God that we wait on causes earthly rulers to wither with His breath. The God that we wait on brings out the stars every night by calling them each by name. This is the God on whom we wait. We wait on Him. We should wait on Him. Because He is God and we are not. He can accomplish what we cannot. We wait on Him because we are helpless without Him. If you are going through a difficult time, I hope that you will wait on Him. I hope that you will pray about what you are enduring. I hope that as you strive to live a godly life, that you'll remember to wait on Him because it is through Him that great things will happen in your life, both now and in eternity. One of the first things that we must realize when discussing God and time, waiting is something that is only possible within time. Whenever you go to a restaurant and you're put on the waiting list, and you, you look at your watch. Alright, they said 15 minutes. And what do you do when you're called within 10? Oh boy, you're excited. But what do you do when you've waited 16? Get frustrated. Texas Roadhouse doesn't have the peanuts sitting out anymore. I'm starting to get hangry. I don't have those peanuts. Can I get an appetizer? Start waiting. So businesses are wise to give you a longer time because they know that we're not very good at waiting. But God, the creator of time, He is not limited by it. We live and die by the clock, by the minute. If you were to look at a school's schedule, we start at 7.45, but the next class might end at 8.38. Not 8.30, but 8.38 or 8.31. And the next class might begin at 9.18, 9.17. Because we've got to get in those minutes of time. 
So we're constantly looking at the clock. We're constantly setting alarms so that we don't forget things. We have a to-do list that dings constantly. Alarms that go off to remind us because we don't want people waiting on us and we don't want to wait on something to happen, but God says that we must wait on Him. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. <coughs> but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years, like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise. As some count slowness, The Lord's not slow, you think He is. You know, because you prayed about it yesterday and it's not happened today. So you think He's slow, you think He's not answering your prayers, you think He's not coming through with His promise. That's how humans think, but rather God is patient toward you. We become impatient with God. A thousand years, that's beyond our grasp. But we become impatient with Him because we have a time limit on our prayers. We have a time limit on our blessings. Everything we do, it it infuriates me a lot of times because we are so time-driven. I love it when I travel to other places. It doesn't happen a whole lot, but the thing that I remember about the few other countries I've been to is their, their lack of observance of the clock. It's rather liberating. Whenever you are waiting, it's kind of inconvenient, but at the same time, it's kind of liberating when people aren't looking at the clock quite as much. And God doesn't want us to look at him and think, you are slow, my Lord. You're, you're awfully slow about things. Because that's how we count it. But God looks at it differently. He is patient towards us, isn't he? Giving you time to get your life right. Giving your, you time to come to him. He's patient with you. You must be patient with him as well. <clears throat> God sees time a lot differently than us. We think in terms that a particular blessing would be really good right now, but what we don't realize is that God knows a better time for that blessing. Or He knows a better blessing altogether. And so whenever you ask of God in prayer, just rely on His timing. And know that His timing is much better than ours. So we've got to keep that in mind. As you learn better, hopefully, to wait on God, He looks at time a little differently. If there's a goal or something that you're wanting to reach, that goal that might be two, three years out, perhaps to pay off a particular bill or something like that, as you look at it, that seems so far away. But whenever that goal is completed, whenever that final bill is paid off, you think, man, where did the time go? We're very close to paying off our building. Great job, congregation. Very close to paying that off. And whenever that happens, We'll be able to look back and think, wow, look at what we accomplished. But it takes patience, and it takes endurance as well. So how does God use our waiting? What is is it in it for Him? You know, why doesn't He just poof, bless us, like a genie in a bottle or something like that? He doesn't work that way. But rather, God uses our waiting to reveal His glory. Let's look at John chapter 11. I'm going to read a great deal of this passage to help you see and understand how God, how Jesus in this moment (coughs) uses our waiting to reveal His glory. John chapter 11. This is the story of Lazarus who died and Jesus raised. John chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. 
Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. He's not dead yet, just sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus is sick. They sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love, not not some random person that that has faith and, and wants you to heal him. This is a person, Lord, that you love. He is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Of course, Jesus in His wisdom and foreknowledge was preparing the people, was preparing for His glory to be seen in a greater way. You know, a a friend who's sick, what do we do? Who's essentially on their deathbed, we pick up and we take off, we head to the hospital, we want to be there. Jesus is delaying Himself though. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Mary and Martha might be thinking, it shouldn't take him this long to get here. When did we send that messenger? Why isn't Jesus here yet? He should be here by now. And we say the same thing. Lord, I prayed to this for you and I just don't see it happening. It's not happening, Lord. I prayed for this and and where are you now? Maybe you're in the same position Mary and Martha were in at this particular time, but Jesus is choosing to make them wait. Then after his disciples, he said to the disciples, then after this he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. There was an issue in Judea, you read in the next few verses, where the Israelites wanted to stone Jesus. Well, the disciples questioned him and said, no, we're going to go see my friend Lazarus. Verse 14. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Jesus is speaking in really strange terms. He could have went, healed him immediately, perhaps before he even died. Therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, so that we may die with him. Is it just me or is that kind of salty? Doubting Thomas, saying, well, let us go, and maybe Jesus will let us die. I wonder if Thomas was close to Lazarus, perhaps, himself, maybe a friend as well. And Thomas, you know, is looking at Jesus. Why are we waiting so long? What's taking so long? Jesus is trying to teach the disciples and his other followers about patience and waiting on him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she's kind of condescending to Jesus as well but takes it back and says, I know you can heal him now. I know you can raise him. So she expressed both frustration and justification that she understood that that her faith, that he would be able to heal her. 
Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Referencing there, I know he'll, he'll be raised again. I know, Lord, because you've told us. He'll, he'll be raised from the grave. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Verse 38. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. You know, early on they knew Jesus could heal him. Early on they knew he could raise him, but... But Jesus took his good, sweet time, didn't he? To get there and, and to do what he knew he could do and what the other people knew he could, but they're, they're still questioning him. Lord, he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? She knew that someday he would be raised in the resurrection, perhaps not thinking he would be raised right then. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The people, all they could do was see the passing of time. All they could do was recall how when someone dies, they're probably not coming back unless Jesus is nearby. But then all they could see was, four days have passed, Lord. And He's going to stink in there. The body is already decaying. You can bring Him back, Lord? Of course He could. It was the plan of Jesus to make the people wait. That showed His glory. That showed who He was that showed that he was from God, that showed that he could do great things. I can raise Lazarus now in the resurrection when I, when I return, when I come back to take you all into heaven as the New Testament goes on to teach. When I return, you will be raised at that point as well. When do you see the glory of God? Do you notice it? Do you give God that glory when prayers are answered? Do you give glory to God? Do you consider how long you've waited? Do you consider that you did wait on God at that point and you thank Him for those answered prayers? Do you glorify God in your marriage? Do you glorify God in your overall life? Waiting on Him to work His plan through you to, to reach that person that you've prayed about to help you with that sin or that temptation that you need to get rid of. Are you waiting on Him? And is He glorified in your life? I certainly hope so. The God who calls the stars by name is not surprised by the circumstances of our lives. He knows how they pan out. He has always known and waiting is a part of His plan for us. So we must learn and understand that waiting on God is very, very good for us. Materially speaking, the world wants things done yesterday. The world wants things done right now. But as Christians, we must understand that God is in control and not us. If God acted immediately every time we cried to Him, we would be in control. We would be the one pushing the button. But we don't number the stars. 
We don't know their names. We don't know how much water is in the sea. We don't, we don't know those things, but God knows all of those things about our world and about us. So how good, though, are you at waiting on Him? One of the things you must not do is waste time waiting. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We often don't think that there's much good in waiting because we're ready for our turn. We're ready to move on. We're ready to get what's coming to us. So waiting is not something that we often look at and say, wow, isn't this good? Well, it can be. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. We love, we, we praise Him in His hope. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. We're glad when we face tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. So if you're waiting, you're probably waiting on the Lord through some type of difficulty. And when you wait, what does that do? That builds perseverance. In the last 20 years, a lot of research has come out on resiliency, on perseverance in education. And that factor, the resiliency factor in children, predicts with a great deal of certainty whether or not a child will become a productive, successful citizen in our world. It's all about resiliency. It's all about perseverance. How Children Succeed is one book and there are many, many others. It's big in education. And it's because perseverance is something that will see you through difficult times, through those tribulations. And what are you doing during that tribulation? You're waiting on God. You're waiting on God to bring you clarity. You're waiting on God to bless you with that strength when you finally see it, for you to understand, wow, I persevered and I got through that. And with that perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. People often leave God because of bad experiences. They leave God because of tribulation. Well, it is personal growth that comes with a great deal of difficulty. And that means you've got to wait. That means you've got to wait on God to show you the way, to bless you with that wisdom that I do hope that you are praying for. We learn a great deal by waiting on God. We learn, as I mentioned, about perseverance, faith, hope, and love, but... Psalm chapter 25, make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. The Lord is our teacher. And we must wait on Him. On college campuses, you know, students will often say, you know, well, this teacher, he's a, he's a professor, so how long do we have to wait on him before we leave? How long do we have to wait on him before we can just go on and maybe catch an early lunch or, or something like that? They're not willing to wait for very long. You know, 10 or 15 minutes, I think, is the, is the going rate right now. But God wants you to wait on him because he is your teacher. And sometimes lessons take time. Sometimes they take a little while, but that's how you learn about what it is to have that perseverance, to have character and to have hope in you so that you might become the person God wants you to be. We have a difficult time waiting 
Because the world seems to be moving so much faster. Psalm 37 says this, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Well, this person over here, they're, they're moving and they're shaking and they're doing all this great stuff. and They're, they're not waiting on God. They're not waiting on Him. They're, they're taking, taking care of business. Maybe you need to take care of business, I don't know. But don't compare yourself to that person because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. You see, that's where we're pulled quite often. When the world is doing what it does, sure. There's a level of success on worldly terms that we see. But here the psalmist says, don't worry over those who prosper in his way. Because that man, he carries out wicked schemes. If he is prospering, maybe it's because... He's following evil, not because he's following God. But what must we do? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. So the question is, who or what are you in a hurry for? Who or what are you trying to impress? If you wait on God, he will allow things. He will create things. Things will happen in your life that will be a blessing. But ask yourself that question. Who or what am I seeking after? Am I seeking God? then wait patiently for Him. Am I seeking riches in this world because I love money, because I love possessions? Go after it, but you're not waiting on God. You're fretting over things you should not be fretting over. This waiting, though, is tough. It does take courage. It takes courage to pray and then wait on God. It takes courage to know you can only depend on Him. You can't do things all by yourself. You must depend on our Creator. Psalm chapter 27. I would have despaired. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you over a past event. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Through that difficult time, he is saying I would have despaired. I would have had a tough time, a difficult time, unless I knew that the Lord was with me. Wait for the Lord, verse 14. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. When we don't wait, we start depending on other things. We start depending on bad things. We start turning to those things that will aid us physically, so we think, alcohol or drugs, things that will get us through difficult times, but whenever we wake up from that stupor, our problems are still there all the same. We try to handle it ourselves because we won't wait on God. And so we do those things that make us feel better in the moment in a more immediate way because we can't wait. Because we don't have perseverance, because we're not thinking about our character, because we don't want that hope that is found only in God. Lamentations 3 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. In Micah 7, But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Is that your faith? When you're waiting on God, do you know that good things will happen to you because you're waiting on Him? Do you know that if you watch expectantly for Him, He will hear you? But you've got to be patient. You've got to be patient and wait on Him to answer those prayers, to bless you with what you need. 
and to be there in the ways that you need him to be there for you. Interestingly, only God wants you to wait. The world wants you to hurry, hurry, hurry. That's the world we live in. Whenever the personal computer was first developed, there was the promise of the 20-hour work week that so much productivity would be saved, we will double what we can do in an office, and so we'll reduce more, there'll be more leisure time. That's laughable now, is it not? <clears throat> because the world just started demanding more. You can do more, well, let's get more. Let's do a, a 30-hour week. Let's do a 40-hour week. Let's do a 50, a 60-hour week. The world wants you to hurry, and it's just pulling everything out of you, but God wants you to wait on Him. Isaiah 64, For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts in behalf of the one who waits for Him. The gods of this world, they want to pull things out of you. The gods of this world, people of this world, they want your resources. They're always asking for something. Well, God, on the other hand, He wants you to wait for Him. Pray to Him and, and have that patience so that you'll be blessed. And not blessed materially, that, that's a good thing. Perhaps that will happen if that's, that's the way God sees it, and that's the way God needs you to, to be blessed. But that you'll be blessed spiritually. Because we don't take care of ourselves the way we should, spiritually speaking. Because we're constantly looking in all these wrong places for these, for these blessings that we should be getting. And all the while, the Word of God is telling us to wait. To wait on God. He's, he's waiting on you. He's, he's patient on you. But you must learn to wait on Him as well. People often leave God because they tire of waiting on Him. They just leave Him. Or they don't know how to wait at all. Learn to wait on God. Become a Christian this morning and begin your Christian life. Begin that Christian path. One that waits on someone that actually loves you. One that when you wait, it'll really pay off. Might take time, but whenever you are waited, when you wait on God, He'll be there to bless you. But we've got to realize that more. To be patient with our Heavenly Father. If you are not a Christian, come forward. Let us baptize you. Or if you are a Christian and need prayers of forgiveness, Come forward and let us help you with that as well. Won't you come now as we stand and sing?